Hey guys, welcome to WDWNT Nerd Alert. I'm your host, Joe Hogarty, and joining me tonight is Jack McCarthy. Back again. And Fedra is off tonight. And yeah, she'll probably join us next week. So tonight we're going to basically go over some news, but there are a few things I wanted to go over first. Well, first of all, Jack shared with me, he got his uh, his burn, was it, the, what were they, they prints? Oh. They're uh, like a like group shots. John um, Byrne, right? Yeah, John Byrne. Uh, a while ago, I had gotten hold of. He did one of the Fantastic Four, and it's Fantastic Four front and center, and then progressively moving from the back, they have all the characters that appeared in the book up front. So in your first row, you're seeing Doctor Doom, Namor. The Miracle Man, um, Fargo, I think his name was, you know, so there in the front and then comes the next issue of like maybe 11 to 20. So there you see the Hulk, eventually you see the Frightful Four, but you start to see all these characters until eventually he hits nearly the entire rogues gallery. So I had gotten that and that was poster size years ago. But I saw online on his forum how he had done a commission piece for the X-Men in that same style. So you have the original X-Men up front, then you have the all-new, all-different X-Men, and then you start getting the villains and the allies filtered in the further back you go. And, I mean... It's a really a, a great looking print. However, I couldn't get it the size of the Fantastic Four one. Um, the Fantastic Four one is 24 by 36. Um, I found the X-Men is 13 by 22. And I also, from the same seller, he was selling an Avengers piece the same way. So it's basically, you know, these are group collages of every character in the X-Men, nearly every character who showed up in the Avengers. And it's fun looking at them, seeing who you recognize and who you don't. And uh, I'm surprised the X-Men I'm pretty good with. Um, but there's a there's quite a few characters in the Avengers that I just can't place. Yeah, no, I you texted me the images and there are upside downs. So I just edited the, you know, fixed it now so I can see it better. Um, yeah, it's always hard. There's always some you're gonna miss, especially I'm looking at the X-Men. There's almost a hundred X-Men, I think, in this image. Or maybe not hundred. They have ton, just tons of characters. Um, I mean, is that, is that the- that showed up in there. Is that the Wendigo? That's the Wendigo, the big white, monstery guy in the middle he was an x-men yeah because uh he showed up he he was fighting the hulk when wolverine first showed up yeah i remember that and he's running around canada so uh it was a story during the claremont burn run where um the wendigo showed up and started you know <laughs> killing and eating people well does um, he, but does he have any you know can he think or is he just a beast? You know? He's just a beast. So how could he even be, you know, 
reckoned with. Like, join us, join our team, the X Men. Be a good guy. Oh no, no, those are all villains. I mean, that's why you have like, you know, yeah. Oh, those are okay. Those are the there. You have Sentinels in there. You have the Shi'ar. Oh no, but you have the good guys in there too. It's all the X Men and their villains. Okay. Yeah, it's good guys and the villains. Um, but like I said, I mean, I. I always liked these pictures when I saw them. The FF one is like one of my favorite prints that I got to hang up. And then I'll put these two new teams underneath. Um, but like I said, they're just, they're just fun pictures. It's like looking at them and, yeah. you know, recognizing, you know, like, oh, there's Ultron in the back. Oh, there's Thanos in the back. You know, who's this weird guy all in white? You know, <laughs> no, that's a nice frame too. That you said you got that from Amazon. Yeah, I got them on Amazon. Um, I would have liked to get maybe a frame that was maybe like an inch bigger in each side so I can get the matted. Um, but I couldn't find find a nice frame that was, say, 24 by 15. It's kind of an odd size. So I just figured, okay, you know what? Let me get them framed I'll forego the mat and, you know. What, what size is that again? This is, These are 13 by 22. That's still not bad, you know. No, but I wanted to get like it, an inch on each side so this way I can get it matted. Because I think the matting really makes a print look nice uh, once you frame it. But uh, like I said, I couldn't I couldn't get for a frame that size. And God bless you. Excuse me. God bless you. Um. I couldn't get a frame that. Going on over here. I think that's the last one. Um, yeah, but I couldn't get a frame that size um, that looked nice. I mean, I saw silver and some other colors, but I couldn't get just a plain black matted frame. So I went with this one. Uh, it looks pretty good. Um, so uh, I'm going to hang up some artwork this weekend. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I've been looking at, like I said, I'm looking for Alex Ross, Frank Miller, uh, I guess Jim Lee, and uh, J. Scott Campbell, too. I like his stuff, and I like Michael Turner, uh, and I haven't gotten anything, but it's just like, with me, it's the size. I'm not crazy about the size. I think when you when you do go to these conventions, they probably just say, look, here's a printout. You, you can buy this. And it's usually the, the regular size is 11 by 17. Um, because that's they all seem to be. Like they're 11 by 17. And I, I just feel like from where, where I want to hang it, it's too small. At, like the one behind me, the Superman one, that is, I think it's 24 by 32. It looks like a 24 by 36. M maybe it's that. You know, the, sta the standard poster size. And it's nice size. I mean, that's the kind of size I'd like. I'd love to lug this to Megacon and get Alex Ross to sign it, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to be there. Uh, well, I mean, you take out of the frame and get yourself a mailing tube and you bring it around. And if you come up with, see anything else you'll like, you get that and put it in the same tube. I don't think I'd put this in a tube. <laughs> it's it's in there. It's straight. I, I know I'd rip it, wrinkle it. I would probably lug it around, but I would, I, I still have the original box for it. So it, it would fit in there nicely. 
Right, but anyway, that's what I'm saying. like if you get it in a, in a mailing tube, they're hard. You know, it's not like it's going to get squashed and, you know, creased. I mean, you can get it in there pretty easily. Yeah. Anyway, so this is the, I might be going, maybe I'll ask Fedra to go too. Maybe she can use a break from things. Uh, so Tom Hiddleston is going to be there. Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Michael J. Fox. Really? Yeah. Because, hey, I, I mean, I, I caught a little bit of his uh, documentary special. I didn't think he was doing that well. I know, me too. It's like, And I recently I saw him, he was reunited with some of the cast from Back to the Future, and he fell on stage. You know, it's like, he's, you know, I feel bad every time I see him. And, I mean, he looks great, but it's just that he's just shaking constantly, and it just keeps getting yeah. worse. That's that's the disease, and um, but he's he's taking pictures with, uh, you know. Also, Christopher Lloyd's going to be there, and uh, who's that guy? Tom, the guy who plays Biff. I can't think of his last name. And uh, it, it's funny. Um, he did a stint on uh, BC Legends of Tomorrow. And he came on, it was supposed to be a one-time thing, but he's he's really supposed to be a really nice guy. Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. And the rest of the cast just loved him, and they had him on for like a whole arc for a while. Well, I had seen him. I saw him at Star Wars Weekends because he was really good friends with the guy that does the voice for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who's is that? Something... It's not Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's uh, but it sounds like that. And so he was kind of like the guy that does the voice for Obi Wan was kind of like uh, Johnny Carson, and mm -hmm. he was his Ed McMahon. Like they're really good friends, and uh, and he was he was a really nice guy. He was a very funny guy because he's a comedian too. Like he does stand up. So it, it was kind of cool to see him. I didn't expect him. That was like you know, a buy one, get one free sort of deal. But, <laughs> but at that point too, I think who they had on stage at that point, it was Ray Park and it was uh, Billy D. Williams and uh, Peter Mayhew. And I was like in the front row. It was so awesome. I got really nice pictures of that. Um, but Leah Thompson is going to be there too. So, you know, if you wanted to get a picture with all four of them, you can. Um, K. Hugh Kwan, you know, who played Short Round. Okay. There. He's getting very popular now because he is winning that stupid Oscar he didn't deserve. Uh, oh, I wouldn't say that. But. Yes, I would. Did you see the movie? Oh, you would. <laughs> Did you see that movie? No one deserved an Oscar from that movie. They should give it back and melt it down. It's just ridiculous. I'm sorry. What a bunch of crap. Uh, yeah, soon as Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis are going to be there from was that movie that they were in Delman Louise oh um yeah yeah that's right but she's also she's Beetlejuice Gina Davis and uh Susan Sarandon's Rocky Horror Picture Show uh Marissa Tomei is gonna be there oh you would love that wouldn't you I would definitely want to get a picture of Marissa Tomei Robin Wright is going to be there along with Carrie Elloways. 
uh, who's the other guy? The guy that Chris Sarandon, was that his name? The guy who plays Humperdinck? And uh, oh, the guy who plays Inconceivable. I can't think of his name. He was Oh, right yeah, okay. Wallace uh, Shawn, I think his name is. Uh, and I, I'm not interested in all Stranger Things. Finn Wolfhard, I don't know who that is. Uh, Gaten Matrazzo. I, I can't even tell you. If, if I might recognize them if I saw them, but I can't tell you their names. They're just two kids. Uh, Paul Bettany is going to be there. Uh, Rain Wilson, never watched The Office, don't care. Katie Seagal. Okay. I know her, I know her mostly from Married with Children, but right. a lot of people know her from Futurama, and I guess she's on Sons of Anarchy. Uh, yeah, she was on that. But this, uh, this, that sounds like a pretty good guest lineup, though. I'm not done. It's, 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 I'm shocked. There's a lot of good people there. Eli Roth. Uh, he, you know, he's more of a director, but he was an Inglourious yeah. Bastards. Uh, Gina Carano, Sean Gunn, Ashley Eckstein, uh, Jamie Farr from MASH. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Loretta, Loretta Swift from MASH. Oh my gosh, that's right. Uh, some of these people from One Piece, Jacob Romero, John Rise Davies is going to be there. Okay, that'd be cool. Uh, Grace Van Dien, she's another Strangers thing. Jamie Priestley from My Name Is Earl. Alan Tudyk. Okay. H have you watched One Piece on Netflix? No, I haven't. It seems like almost the whole cast is going to be there. You know, it it's not bad. William Shatner. Man, <laughs> I, that guy. I, I heard he's like ninety-two. You know, yeah, he he's up there. He's gonna outlast them all. Anthony mm -hmm. Daniels, um, that girl from Ghostbusters Afterlife, the one with the glasses. Jason Isaacs from Harry Potter. Uh, some guys from Entourage, which I'm not interested in. Uh, Juliet Juliet Lewis, uh, Ming Na Wen. Oh, really? Okay. I know her mostly. Whenever I think of her, I think of Milan. But while well, she was in the Book of Boba Fett, what else was she in? She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was awesome in that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Danny Trejo, Machete. Uh, the girl from Rebel Moon, which I didn't see. Did you see that? No, I haven't watched it. Yeah, I don't know if I can get I'm through it. You know, you know I'm not a Zack Snyder fan, so. There are people, of course, chomping at the bit to see it, but not my deal. Matthew Lewis uh, from Harry Potter. Who did he play? Uh, who did he play? The, the fat kid. Uh, the, um, and then when he got older, he got really built. Oh, Neville. Neville, oh. Neville Longbottom. Longbottom. Okay. Uh, Stephen Amell. Uh, Alyssa Milano, Rose McGowan, uh, the guy who played, uh, oh, was in Ahsoka. Can't even think of his name. He was in Rebels. <laughs> What's his name, Jack? They they're all going at Ezra. Oh, okay. Uh, Daniel Logan. So he was. Uh, you know who he is, right? 
maybe. <laughs> Daniel Logan. I'm like I said, I'd probably recognize him right off the bat, but I I don't remember them by name. He was the original baby Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones. Oh, okay. <laughs> but apparently he was in the book of Boba Fett. I must have missed that. Uh Keith David. He's good. I like him. He was in the thing. He was in something about Mary. Um, and then he does all those awesome voices. He was in uh, Gargoyles. He was Goliath. And I know he does a lot of DC stuff too. Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, oh, Felicia. Uh, the Mandalorian. He was, uh, you know, the big bad. Bramarf, the. Oh, okay. All right. You got to uh, say the character because <laughs> then I'll remember them. Felicia Day, I've heard of her. Oh, Felicia Day, she's she's also great. She's kind of cute. She's very cute. Tamara Morrison, who's Boba Fett or Django Fett, wherever you want. No, he was Boba Fett. No, what? That's confusing, isn't it? No, no, yeah, he was in the Attack of the Clones. He was Django Fett, and then he was Boba Fett. No, because yeah, whatever. He's the big clone. Uh, Junus Sutamo, who is the new Chewbacca. Okay. Randy Quaid from <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Day, Christmas Vacation. It's weird. He's been on the run from the law for such a long time. Him and his wife. I'm surprised. Really? Oh yeah, you know. I think that they hightailed it to Canada. Maybe he settled what was ever going on. Uh, Jason Lee, he, he was in My Name is Earl and a lot of Kevin Smith movies. And uh -huh. he was uh, the voice of Syndrome in The Incredibles. Okay. Uh, Jason Priestley, Shannon Doherty, Holly Marie Combs. Uh, All three of the Charmed Girls. Yeah. Michelle Hurd. You know who that is? She's uh, in Picard. Who'd she play in Picard? I think she's the... Uh, is she the black girl? I can't tell. You know, I only watched that last season, and at the end, it was her, Seven and Nine, and Picard's son. You know, like, they, they were going... Michelle. I thought she was big in that series. I didn't watch all of it. How do you spell her last name? Uh, H-U-R-D. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. What was her name? Navi? She was pretty good in that. Yeah, no, she was pretty good. Uh, Don Bluth. You, you know him, right? Yeah, the animator. Yeah, and I liked him. He used to work for Disney, and he did The Secret of Nim, which I really like. And uh, he did Dragon's Lair. Then they got, like, a bunch of Have you done anything in a while? I don't think so. Yeah, they, it kind of fell by the wayside. I mean, a lot of the movies... He was trying to compete with Disney, and... It just oh, for the longest time, yeah. Yeah, it just didn't. Oh, that that guy's going to be there, James Arnold Taylor. That's the guy that voices. Uh, the yes, 
he also played the strawberry frosted mini wheat. I think he, I think he was Johnny <laughs> Quest too. He does a lot of voices. He does do a lot. Uh, the guy who does the voice of Miles Morales and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I couldn't tell you who that was. Well, his name is Shamik Moore. D. Bradley Baker, who's in every Star Wars animated stuff. Hmm. Uh, Peter Cullen, who's the voice of Optimus Prime. Oh, the voice of... Uh, the original Optimus Prime? Yeah. Yeah, Peter Cullen. Hmm. Well, I, I, I think, and I'm, I'm probably going to get heat from this, but I think he's the voice of Optimus Prime and the voice of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, is he? I'm pretty sure he is. I mean, just think of their voices. They do sound the same. Mm, I don't think so, but, you know, he could, well, one, do, he could do different voices, but Optimus Prime is one of those iconic voice work. Well, one of the, one of the Transformers voices is Eeyore, too. I'm pretty sure it's Optimus Prime. Uh, um, some voices from almost all the voices from X-Men, the animated series. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't be interested in anime. So I'll go no. past that. And you wouldn't be interested in gaming either. But you would be interested in comic creators. So Frank Miller is going to be there. Uh, Jeff Johns. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stanley. I like his stuff. Stanley Arkham. Lau? I don't know who he is. That does not sound familiar. Mark Silvestri. Okay, he was an X-Man artist in the uh, 80s. Yeah, and no, he was he did a lot of artwork. Batman. Mm -hmm. Arthur Adams. Arthur Adams. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's, what's I may that? ask you to pick up something. <laughs> if I go. If I go. If you go. Uh, Jason one, Aaron. One of the post, one of the prints I want to hang up this weekend is uh, an Arthur Adams signed Arthur Adams. Uh, uh, what did he sign? Um, he did. He did a cover of. Well, he redid a cover of Fantastic Four number one hundred, but then he ex then he expanded the cover. So you see the cover with the frame and everything, and then it the print continues out further where it's it's another group shot thing it's like every every character who appeared uh from fantastic four one to a hundred well, that's cool all right yeah if i go it's another one of those those pictures but uh i loved it i thought it was great and uh then when they had the big thor crossover a couple of years ago uh war of the realms he did a similar one for Thor, but it was just like one huge battle scene of everyone who ever appeared in Thor fighting each other. Okay. And I wish I'd picked that up. So maybe I'll ask you to pick that up if you if you're over there. Yeah. And, across them. and if the line isn't too long. That's my biggest fear. Is like, well, I think it's different. The New York Comic Con is is way bigger than well, Megacon's pretty big though. Megacon but, is a big is a big uh show. No, but like when you waited online to see who was your the biggest artist that you saw at the New York Comic Con, George Perez. 
And how long did it take you to? You um, actually, it wasn't too bad. Maybe. Uh, maybe twenty minutes. Well, that's not bad. I, I thought. Oh well, yeah, because he was he was like you know I'll take a, I'll sign sign like. He was good because he put a limit. Like he would sign something, but like sometimes your people show up with a suitcase of books for them to sign. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's like he would do one signature and he would take a photo with you. You know. So uh when I saw George Perez, I had gotten one of his pieces that he did um was colored by Tom Smith, who I used to talk on one of the forums with, um, who does the colorist. And he does colorists for George Perez and he did them for John Byrne. So I gotten a fantastic four piece from George Perez. Tom signed it, and then I got it signed by uh, the man himself. Well, I tell you, he was my buddy. <laughs> right. I never asked him to sign anything because I felt bad because I felt like he was on vacation and he didn't want to be bothered. But there were people that did ask him, but I was so tempted because I had the uh, JLE Avengers crossover to get all four of them signed. And did he do Secret Wars too? Uh, the cover? Uh, no, he didn't do Secret Wars. He did Infinite uh, Crisis. He did Crisis on count on uh, Crisis on Infinite. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but but it's funny because again, like, and I and I had pictures taken with him, but he had uh, he went up to me and, and he's like, "Do you think you could send me some pictures?" And he. Uh, he gave me, he wrote his email address and then he wrote on top of it, George Perez. Like I wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> it was kind of like George Perez at hotmail.com. <laughs> so I kind of do have his autograph. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you do. I mean, well, it was funny because uh, I don't have a certificate of authenticity, but what I have in the frame with the Fantastic Four picture is... You know when you when you take pictures with these celebrities, you're not supposed to touch them. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just sort of like standing there, hovering. No, I'm not hovering. I'm just standing there. My arms are at the side. You know, I'm just there, and he's next to me. And then like my friend counts. Okay, three, two, and then he wraps his arms around me and he's giving me a big hug with the thumbs up. <laughs> so. That's my uh, certificate of authenticity of his signature. <laughs> well, I was in the hot tub with him with a bunch of really hot chicks. Okay, yeah. Well, you got me beat on that, but um, <laughs> uh, Frank Cho, did we hear him? Frank Cho, he's also very good. Um, Tony Daniels, Simone DeMeo. Uh, I'm just looking to see. Um, yeah, I'm, if I see names, well, Klaus Jansen. So if I go, I would love to get Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen to sign like a poster of The Dark Knight Returns. Klaus Jansen, was he the colorist or? I think Klaus Jansen, I'm pretty sure he was the artist. Frank Miller, we had this discussion <laughs> off podcast, but I think Frank Miller was not the artist. It was Klaus Jansen. And... Frank Miller just did the writing for it. 
I'm not going to look it up, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know, if anybody wants to correct me, go ahead, email me at joe at wdwnt.com. Say you're wrong, jackass. Uh, Tom King, I know he's big now, right? Yes, he, he's, he's a very big, a very popular writer. Craig, uh, you, you are right. You're, you're right, Joe. Illustrated by Miller and Klaus Jansen. Yep. I don't know where one started and the other began or took over, but uh, yeah, he's listed as a co-illustrator. He's and again, it's not the greatest artwork in the world, but I, I just love the story, and I, and I watched the animated movie recently, and I it, it's really well done. Uh, Craig Kyle, do you hear of him? What's his name? Craig Kyle says he did it. X-23 and Thor Ragnarok? Huh. Well, uh, I mean, I read X-23, the that series. Um, but Thor Ragnarok? Was it a... I don't know. Maybe he did something for the, the movie. Maybe. Maybe a movie adaptation or something? Uh, Jay Lee? I think I remember him. Jay Lee. He has a, he has a very unique style i i am not a fan of it but i mean i know there are people out there who love his stuff uh jeff loeb jeff loeb oh he's a he's a writer he wrote x-men for years yeah no, i definitely heard of him steven mckiv mckivnev steve mckiven okay he he's good he's the guy who who drew civil war oh did he yes Oh, no, they have a picture of Wolverine and the Hulk, you know, the Todd McFarlane cover. It's really weird because I know McFarlane drew that one, but it's just, you know, same thing with the Hulk and the blades. Right. You know? huh. But yeah, um, but Steve McGiven, he he's a little tough to get a hold of. I mean, it's a, I think it took me like three tries to get him to sign something because like he was... Not that he was rude or anything, but he's like, okay, sorry, I got to go. Sorry, I can't talk. No, sorry, I can't sign anything right uh, now. That ain't cool. You know, but no, I mean, because he was going to, he was going to something. Um, but I did catch him because I, I had printed out some, some stuff. And um, I do have a signature on them, so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but I mean, he, he, he does some really nice stuff. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, if he did Civil War, that was really well done. Yeah. Stephen Platt. I, I think I have some of his stuff from Moon Knight. Was well, he the Moon Knight guy? Now, Moon Knight, I never really read, so. Well, I'm, I think it's him. At one point, there was an artist that took over Moon Knight, and he drew like McFarlane. And that's why I kind of got it, you know. And everybody was saying, oh, it's the next McFarlane. And so I, I started picking up all that crap. But, uh, you know, he, he was a good artist. I like that kind of, oh, and you'll love this next one, Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter, you know, Shooter used to get a lot of flack, you know, because it was like he was editor-in-chief for a while. Yeah. And then – um I mean, granted, he, you know, he wasn't the best writer, but I mean, he did write the original Secret Wars. 
Yeah, and I was going to ask you because there's a picture of the Secret Wars on there. Yeah, so he did write the original Secret Wars, which was up until the Infinity Gauntlet, Marvel's most successful crossover. Didn't uh, he do uh, Silver Surfer too? I don't think he did Silver Surfer. Uh, maybe I'm getting it mixed up with something. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to give him credit. I mean, he he was the editor in chief for a while at Marvel. As well as writing stuff, so it'd be kind of mm -hmm. cool to meet to meet him. Uh, Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder, another big uh, yeah, Batman guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Justice League, he did both of those, I think. Um, John Beatty. Do you know who that is? John Beatty. I'm trying to place him. I'm just looking at it. It looks like he drew the cover for Secret Wars, you know, with the black symbiote costume. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, yeah, they had a lot of people do those covers. It's not like they were consistent with that. He might have also, again, it says legendary artist and inker. So who knows? Maybe he did the ink for it. Um, let's see. Do I see anyone else? Dave Dorman. Do you remember him? Dave Dorman. What did he work on? He did Star Wars for Dark Horse. He's oh, he used to do the covers. Oh, that guy, the the painter. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. Now that now that you mention it, now I get him. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did some beautiful stuff. He did. I, I think he might have done some some novels too. But I used to eat that stuff up whenever like he would when a star wars comic would come out and he did a cover i picked it up and unfortunately the inside did not look like <laughs> the inside did not look anywhere near as good <laughs> they got me jerry they got me <laughs> uh yeah but his, his covers were beautiful they were they were they were they were so lifelike you know like almost i'd say he's up there with alex ross you know, I I put him in the same league. Pascal Ferry. Pascal says he says he does Doctor Strange. Um, I picked up Doctor Strange when Mark Wade was on it, but before that, it would only be you know every so often. I'm just um, I think like they put the the lower people at the bottom. I don't see anybody here that uh, looks like we know who they are. Hey, but that, uh, that's a really good lineup for guests. Mark Morales. Mark Morales. Says he did Amazing Spider-Man. Didn't he, It wasn't he the guy that did the cover where Peter looked goofy? You know, he, he's he's got the Spider-Man suit and he's swinging and he's got the, and he, you know, he's Peter Parker's face and he's got a goofy smile. <laughs> Not sure. I'll send it to you <laughs> later. But it's a famous cover. Uh, I think that's about it as far as anyone that we would know. Um, no Alex Ross, damn it. <laughs> that's, oh. who, that's all I wanted to see. But I would settle for Frank Miller and, and Klaus Jansen. But you know what? Alex Ross Studios may be there. Like he might not be there, but I mean, they usually have 
you know, his uh, his stamper, <laughs> huh? His stamper? No, no, his, I his mean, rubber they, stamper. They they have they have his pieces up that you can buy. I know, no, but I want to get this one autographed. The yeah. One no. uh, Sam De La Rosa, I remember him. He he did the cover of Venom Number One. Venom Number One, not Lethal Protector. Uh, he did do Lethal Protector too. Maybe that was was that the very first Venom? Was it called Lethal Protector or was it? Yeah, that was that, well, that was the first miniseries, and I thought that was Bakley who did it. Oh, uh, maybe he's the writer, or oh, I, don't well, I don't know. Uh, all right, well, uh, Chuck Dixon. Chuck Dixon. Okay, he's he's a he's a big DC guy. Did he do uh, Robin? Yeah, he did. He did some Batman, uh, but he did the Robin solo series I when, uh, when it, very, Tim Drake first took over. He's very conservative. That guy. He he now works with. Uh, oh, who's that guy that I always that I subscribe to? Uh, Ripper, you know the Ripperverse. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, I think he writes for him now. Um, he's always on his show, so they really seem to like each other. Oh, and, and Rip is going to be there, Eric July. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cool, cool things there. Yeah, I mean, it's well, see if you tickets and go. Well, yeah, tickets are 30 bucks, it's not bad. Um, no, that's not bad at all. No, but I went there once before. The worst part is the parking. It's just, oh my god, because like where you have to park, you have to park like in this parking lot, and then then you have to take a bus to the convention center. Really? Wow. <laughs> and it's the worst. It's not like you could just leave. Like you have to. And I remember the the first time I went, I was so excited that I went that I didn't, I didn't record where I parked, <laughs> and it was like. There must have been there were a hundred thousand people there. <laughs> took me forever to find my car. But You're walking around around with your remote held up, <laughs> waiting to hear a chirp. <laughs> oh, my remote sucked so bad. I mean, I had to be right on top of my frigging car for it to beep. <laughs> so anyway, I hope hope I didn't bore you guys listening with all this stuff. But eh, it's kind of fun, you know. I would, you know, again, I know Jack. Jack is a big Comic Con sort of fan. You're gonna go. Uh... You know what? I mean, it would be nice to see the celebrities and stuff. But um, I, when I've gone to New York Comic Con, I spent most of my time on Artist Sally, uh, meeting the writers and artists and colorists and stuff like that. That's that's where I spent most of my time. A little bit of time on the floor with the merchandise, but. Uh, <laughs> Most mostly meeting people. Well, I bought a. I think I bought a few graphic novels and maybe some posters, but most of the time I was like, I can't afford that. <laughs> you know, it's, I was like, should I get that? No, I can't get that. That'd be ridiculous to buy that if I bought that. No, I, and I wouldn't get it. Now I regret. God, I remember. Well, you know, remember we used to go to Jim Hanley's Universe. Uh, I remember they had like. I'm pretty sure they had X Men number one going for like $45 back in the day. You know, it wasn't mint condition, but I kind of like 
I felt like that's too much money. (laughs) (laughs) Little did I know. Little did you know. Correct. So anyway, so I've seen a couple of movies I wanted to tell you about. So I was watching Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. And and again, I enjoy it, but it's not a complete movie. Did, did you, you've seen it probably a while. I, I've ago. seen the Richard Donner cut. Yeah, the problem with that is is the CGI that they used back then to, because they found the lost footage, which was 75% of the material. And for the stuff that they didn't have, they had some test screening stuff where it didn't really match what the actors look like. Like right. Christopher Reeve would have long hair in one shot and then short hair in another shot. And it just, it's nice to imagine what it would have been like, but it, you know, and his problem too, he hated Richard Lister uh, who took over for him because he got fired by the Salkinds. And I mean, I can understand the whole thing. No one really knew if this Superman movie was going to take off, but they assumed that it was. And so they started filming back to back. Superman one and two and the Salkinds are always like, when is it going to be done? (laughs) And, and he's like, I need more time and I need more money. And like, bastard, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they didn't want to give him any money. So they basically, they tricked him. They said, you know what? Let's just finish Superman, the movie. And then you can go back and finish Superman two because we need to get it out in time for Christmas. So he says, all right. So he finished it. And then they're like, you're fired. And he, he filmed, I think, like 75% of the, of the movie for Superman 2. And um, they brought in Richard Lester. But he was, I, I watched a, a documentary on it recently. So he was brought in while he was filming Superman, the movie, and Superman 2. Uh, and again, it's not his fault. He was like, I think, one of the producers, too. He was just trying to make sure everything was going okay. He was trying to be like the intermediary between the two. So they chose him to direct Superman too, but he had to direct, well, you know how it works. Like when somebody directs a movie, they have to direct more than I think 50% of that movie in order for them to be called a director on the movie. Oh, I didn't know what, what percentage of how it works, but I know it is a percentage of the finished film. It could be more than that. So he basically real filmed a lot of his scenes that Richard Donner had filmed, but a lot of the Richard Donner scenes are in the theatrical cut of Superman two, which again, yeah. I, I love Superman one and two, three, three isn't that bad. If Richard Pryor wasn't in it. It's and not that good either. What's that? It's not that good either. <laughs> oh, I think the small Smallville stuff with Lana Lang is really, really good. You know, it, 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 there's some good things in it. Um, but anyway, so Richard Lester came in and finished the movie. I loved it. Uh, you know, when I saw it in the theaters, I thought it was better than the first one because there was so much action in this one. Well, I mean, I just like, you know, the sight, the the fight between Superman and the three Kryptonians, you know. Care to step outside, General? I mean, that's such a great scene. It is. It's, and again, I remember, you know, I remember seeing Superman the movie, and I just loved it. And then I heard there was a sequel, and I heard that the three villains from the beginning of the movie, the Kryptonians, were were going to be the enemy. And I was like, 
holy crap, I forgot all about them, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they showed up in the beginning and Lex yeah. Luthor was the main villain. But I was like, that's going to be great. And that poster was awesome. Like where you see Superman like flying out of the Manhattan skyline. And then the three Kryptonians are heading towards him for battle. Yeah. Oh, I love that, that poster. It was just, I don't even I, remember the poster for it. Oh yeah. Well, I had the soundtrack. I remember the Superman one poster of, you know, the clouds and the Superman logo coming out of a rainbow. That was a boring poster. <laughs> well, I, I still, like I said, though, I still remember that one. Cause it was, you know, that was one of the first big superhero movies. That's I all think, we had back then. I think what they were trying to do again with that poster, they were trying to conceal Superman. So, that, and, save him for the movie itself because again they didn't want to show any flying scenes because that was the whole thing is like you will believe a man could fly yeah and um that's why they made it so minimalistic they would never do that today sony would never do that today it's like what we can't put the ending in the trailer <laughs> yeah. and there's uh, no there's no making an original poster it's all cut and paste job. oh yeah and that's all photoshop crap <laughs> But uh, but I, yeah, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed Superman too. And I again, I remember seeing it in theaters, and I, I guess a lot of kids were were there, and we were all screaming and applauding uh, during the fight scenes. And then at the end, when he tricks them, well, where he goes into the the molecule chamber, mm -hmm. and they lose their powers, and he crushes Zod's fist. Everybody was out of their seats screaming, you know. We were like the kids like from those flash cordon serials, you know, like back in the day. Well, that's just it. I mean, the, those movies were full of that stuff. Yeah. And honestly, we could use some of that stuff nowadays in movies. But what happened was again, it didn't age well. A lot of people were like, eh it's too funny it's too comical it's not as good as the first the first one was a serious movie you know it 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 was a drama there there was some comic book stuff but the first hour was all drama which and it was very well done but the you know the second one was more action i, I love sequels where the superhero is already the superhero and he just is there within 10 minutes after the credits start rolling so but they, so Richard Donner was pissed at Warner Brothers, at everybody. And I know a lot of people like Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder and uh, Gene Hackman, they were all pissed off because they're like, I can't believe they fired Richard Donner. He was great. Superman, the movie was great. I don't want to do, well, Gene Hackman didn't come back. And a lot of his scenes were like a stunt double, with just the back of his head. And uh, I think they might've got somebody to do his voice. But all the stuff that you see of Gene Hack Hackman in that movie is Richard Donner stuff. But they were all upset, you know, which I guess I can understand, but it's a business too. Anyway, so I watched the, the Donner cut recently. And again, the CGI is cheesy. I forget when it was, it came out probably 10, 15 years ago. So CGI wasn't that great. And so Warner Brothers and some guys decided to redo it and put some CGI in there. And it just, is not up to par of what it could have been. And um, 
and they also, his idea for the original ending was to reverse time so that Lois again a second time yeah yes it, so the original ending for superman the movie was not to reverse time it was lois never dies um and then the the three criminals are released at the end of the movie so it's a cliffhanger but again they fired him and they're like well we'll take the end of superman 2 and we'll put it in the end of superman 1 and it'll be better you know but Donner was guys like, from Brooklyn or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think were they? No, Tony. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to let these guys out of this fancy mirror thing, and yeah. then they're going to show up on Earth. I think they were Jewish. They're like, oh, the I don't know. I'm just going off your impression. No, <laughs> no, I think they were from Israel or something like that. I could be wrong, but. So again, we, we got the Donner cut, and it was really cool to see a lot of footage we never saw before. And a lot of those scenes are really good, but then a lot of the scenes weren't good at all. And Donner just, he hated Richard Lester for what he did, so he refused to use any of Richard Lester's stuff in his Donner cut, which was a mistake. One of the worst decisions that was made was he did cut out that part where he says, because, you know, General... Do you care to step outside? That's not in the Donner cut. That's replaced with General. Did you ever hear of the power of the press? <laughs> you know, and I was like, what? <laughs> this movie sucks now. That's the great one of the greatest lines in movie history. And they ruined it. That's right up there with Darth Vader saying, no. <laughs> no, that's right up there with, frankly, I don't give a damn. I mean, it's a great line, you know? And and he refused to use uh, Ken Thorne did the the music because I think John Williams didn't want to get involved with all of the controversy, so he pulled out. But I think Ken Thorne was a protege of of John Williams, um, so he recommended him, and he did good music for that Superman too. Because I had the soundtrack, I loved it. It was slightly different, but it, it wasn't bad at all. It was actually very good. Huh. But like he, so when they did the Donna cut, they took cues from superman the movie and put him in there and it just didn't work because it didn't fit right like the original score was much better like there's no that scene where you see like the papers flying and you know superman's coming in manhattan that he got his powers back right there's there's no music in the donner cut it's that's like you got to be kidding me because like in the you know in the original it's like dun 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 and you're like, oh, and you see like a newspaper just blowing in the wind. Right. It's such a cool scene. I mean, you can't say that guy sucks. I don't want any of his crap in my movie. He did a lot of good stuff. Anyway, so I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I wish there was some way that they could combine both movies and have the best parts put in and have the crappy parts taken out. And then for the hell of it, I looked to see if that exists and it does exist it does <laughs> yeah there's a couple of versions and my good buddy charlie who is a wizard with this stuff and i you know, i'm able to share some of his plex library i asked him i says could you look for one is called the ultimate cut and then there is uh, superman 2 called the integrate so you got both versions and i watched it last night it's awesome awesome it's perfect absolutely which one's better I would say the integrate is is better. Like, 
there's just a couple of things in the uh, ultimate cut that seem a little off, but the integrated one seems better. Like they, it, you know, it starts off, uh, you know, again, like the way the original starts off, but you do see in the beginning, they, they show the power scene because the power scene, you know, where they're going to blow up the Eiffel Tower is not in the Donner cut because uh, Lester filmed that scene. So they show that and that's a cool scene. I mean, you know, and that's how he gets the, the criminals out with, by it taking the elevator out into space and it's got the hydrogen bomb that blows up. And then right after that, it's you go to Metropolis and you see the scene where Lois is suspicious that maybe Clark is Superman. And she draws on the on the newspaper on a Superman picture that she puts the hat and the glasses and then she jumps out the window. So it's all mixed out. All the good stuff, even the crappy stuff that's in the original theatrical one, which I kind of like would groan at, like that's gone. Like, like remember like when the, you know, the Kryptonians are blowing the people in Metropolis. Yeah. And you got one guy, he's on roller skates, roller <laughs> skates. Another guy loses his hair. Another guy is in the phone. That stuff's all gone. You know, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. I tell you. It, it just it made me so happy to, to see it, you know, that, and now I can watch it over and over again. This will be my go-to Superman too, because it, <laughs> it has everything. There's more Christopher Reeve as Clark. There's more Christopher Reeve as Superman. It's awesome. Awesome. Okay. I'll have to look it up. But then I was just telling you before, I was like, I went on to Reddit and I, or I went out to Google and I typed in, is there any more fan edits out there that are worthwhile? And so somebody said the M4 version of the Hobbit. And I did not like the Hobbit trilogy. <laughs> and you, no, you yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Again, it, the problem was it, it's just, it didn't have to be three movies. It's like Jackson just got a big head after winning an Oscar from Lord of the Rings and he got knighted. And well, I think like, it was also pressure from Warner Brothers. It might they have wanted been. three movies. They want another Lord of the Rings trilogy, and there's just not enough material in The Hobbits to match the Lord of the Rings. It's no. a relatively short book compared to, you know, the Lord of the Ring trilogy. I think it's more him, actually. I think he pushed for a third movie because all that stuff that he added in was a bunch of fiction, but he, you know, he felt like I could write stuff in there to make it more drawn out and more relatable to people, but nobody wanted that. It's, and what bothered me too is like, I, I saw some of the behind the scenes and there was that one uh, dwarf who had like the Scottish brogue or whatever. And he said that he used to buddy around with Peter Jackson and he was having dinner at his house one night and he brought his kids along. And like one of the girls is like, can I be in the movie too? And he goes, why sure. I'll write a part in for you. And like at the last minute he writes a part. Who's the guy that, that kills Spog? The, you know, the, the human. Is it Bard? Bard? Oh, the one who kills Smaug. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, yes. Bard. So, so he says you can be, uh, you know, Bard's daughter, 
And then the other old girl's can I be in it too? Because you could be Bart's other daughter. <laughs> and it's like Bart doesn't have any daughters in the book. Well, who cares? You know, they want to be in the movie. And you know, when I found out he was doing that, and he was doing that all over the place. Someone would, once they found that out, people are like, I'd like to be in the movie too. You know, my my uh, my fat aunt wants to be in the movie. You know, and he's like, all right, I'll write a role for her. <laughs> yeah. Um, and who? So anyway. I, I didn't mind the first one. I thought the first one was actually pretty good. But the, the the next two were just so drawn out. I hated the romance between Evangeline Lilly and uh, the good-looking dwarf. So unnecessary. Not in the book at all, you know? No, well, not at all. And I mean, the, all the whole story of the white orc what was the name, Azrog or something like that? Yeah. All right. And then yeah. it's like he was supposed to be unique. And uh, then it was like in the third one, no, wait, he's got a brother who's also a ugly white, <laughs> you know, orc. Like, uh, I don't know. Just. And yeah. And then he also, instead of doing practical effects and makeup, he went CGI crazy. Yeah. Where again, you watch Lord of the Rings and you look at the Orike and and some of the stuff that they did, and it looks amazing. Now Gollum looked good for a CGI character, but he thought he could do that with everything, and that it would just be—I don't know—would you consider doing CGI instead of using extra as less expensive or more expensive? I would think less expensive. Maybe that's why you wanted to do it, save some money. No, I, I think do, doing uh, conventional makeup, I would think that would be cheaper than CGI. Because with CGI, I mean, there, there's a lot of detail work that, that goes in it if you're going to make it look good. Yeah, um, and I guess it's, it's not like there wasn't CGI in the original Lord of the Rings, and you know, like with the battles and all that. Um, but it just didn't look right. Like that that orc, that white orc, the pale orc or whatever, he right. just didn't look right. <laughs> you could tell. And the was. wargs, the wolves. I mean, the wargs in Lord of the Rings were almost like a, a hyena dog mix versus just a wolf. And the wolves just, they, they just didn't look good in The Hobbit. I, 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 I really don't like the Hobbit trilogy. Well, I know, like, again, in Lord of the Rings, like that scene in the two towers where they have Merry and Pippin, the orcs, and that one orc is like, what about the legs? They don't need the legs. <laughs> you know, that guy looks scary as shit, man. And yeah, it's such an amazing makeup job. None of that exists in the Hobbit. Everything just looks fake. People are playing up against the green screen. And I think even, um, uh, what's his name? Ian, Ian McCallan said he was very disappointed because it was all green screen stuff. And a lot of times he wasn't even interacting with the characters that he was talking to that, you know, he was just in front of a screen and they were like in California, he was in New Zealand or he was in England or something like that. And he just didn't enjoy the process at all. Again, Jackson got a big head, didn't want anybody editing anything that he did. I think he sucks now. 
But getting back to this movie, this movie's freaking great. Although I only watched a little bit of it. I watched about 40 minutes of it. And they cut out so much. I sent you like what they cut out. <laughs> it's like this yeah, is Yeah, how great. much they cut they cut basically each film in half. Yeah, so the uh original runtime, I think, for all of the movies was like about nine hours. This is four hours. And it's one movie in four hours. I think there's an intermission. But so the for un unexpected journey, they used one hour and forty three minutes. They cut forty. Well, or is it? Do they cut forty percent, or is that forty percent of the movie? Uh, oh no, forty percent of the movie was cut. The desolation of smog. Fifty nine percent of the movie was cut. And for the battle of the five armies, fifty four percent of the movie was cut. And there's a trailer online it's called m4 the hobbit check it out and it shows you too that it's more it aligns more with the book they that was their goal is they wanted to to be as close to the book as possible and if they did anything maybe kind of push it along where it it, it was still in the same universe as lord of the rings um but i think it's you know they worked on this for years they added special effects. They changed the color timing. Um, they got rid of a lot of stuff. Who's that dude? Remember that dude that was in the two movies? He was with Bard. There was the king there. Like the hourly mayor or something like that? Yeah, and then there was the creepy dude. That's who uh, I'm talking about. The, maybe yeah. he was a... The creepy well, guy. The creepy guy that dressed as a woman. Yeah. He's all gone. He's completely gone from the movie. And and the romance between is it Turiel and Yeah, well uh, you'd said you'd said it already, that was all gone. That's all gone. I think she's in it and she has one line in the movie. I can't wait to watch this thing. I, I, I watched the first like I, I said, I watched some of it and it's it's great. You know, it moves so fast. I would say by twenty minutes they're out of Bilbo's house and you're on the road. <laughs> You know? Well, and that was the thing. The unexpected party chapter, you know, they really dragged that out in the theatrical version. But there was also stuff beforehand before we got to that. Like you saw Bilbo and Frodo, and I think you saw flashbacks of um, of Sauron and stuff like that they got rid of a lot of that you still see bilbo and frodo but it's not prolonged it's it moves at a, a much quicker pace and again they're getting rid of all the crap and they're making it tight i can sit and watch a four-hour movie i can't sit and watch a nine-hour trilogy screw that especially no, rough. especially when it's not very good that was like one of my biggest disappointments because i love the lord of the rings and then the Hobbit comes along. Well, I, I, you were like it too. When we found out they were making three movies, it's like those bastards. Because yeah, the animated, it was the case of just like I said, there's not enough in that book to make three movies. You know, one long movie is 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 good. That's all you really need for the Hobbit. And, like I've said before, Rankin Bass did it better in an hour. Yeah. Well, I think that was 90 minutes, but 
well, still 90 minutes. They did. I think they did a better job in 90 minutes following the book than Peter Jackson did in nine hours. I watched that recently too. It still holds up. Yeah, that's a nice little. That's a nice little movie. And when they did Return of the King, that was that was also pretty good. But you, uh, you know, that was a big jump to the end of Lord of the Rings. I didn't like Return of the King. I didn't like the animation. I didn't like it at all. I mean, you know, the animated version. Something was off. And Casey Kasem, I think he played uh, Samwise. <laughs> he may have. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, it was, I didn't like it. Anyways, the last thing I got Tekken Eight today. Oh, I love it. You're not a vi big video game guy, are you? Well, you you play Star Wars stuff. Uh, pretty much, and, and I'm a PC gamer. I'm not a, uh, you know, Xbox or PlayStation or. You can play Tekken Eight on the PC. Huh? You can play Tekken Eight on the PC. It's oh. a fighting game, 3D fighting game. I I was always into Tekken in 3D fighters. I I mean, I liked Mortal Kombat when it first came out. But then it lost me after a while. Okay, so what did you play? What did I play? Yeah. You mean when I was younger or now? Oh, no, what you were saying now. You talk oh, video games. Tekken 8. Um, yeah, it just came out today. And I, I've played all the Tekken series. And I just love them. You know, if, if, if anybody's into Tekken and they want to play me online... Message me and give me your PlayStation code. Actually, it's cross-platform, so you can play against PC and Xbox users too. So, uh, well, that I think ass. is cool. I think, I think it's cool when they open it up that you know, just because you don't have the same machine as your friend, you could still play the game against each other. So, yeah, I, I mean, I hear a lot. Like, I play first-person shooters too. They say someone on a PC has a huge advantage over someone that uses a controller because they use a mouse to, to shoot name. And that kind of sucks when you play against PC users and you're a controller, you know, you use a controller or use console. Anyway, let's get into the news. All right. All right. So William Shatner says he's being erased from Paramount plus thoughts. I, I I get what he's saying because I've seen like their promotional posters and stuff and they've added characters in that how, how do you put this person in but drop James T. Kirk you know I guess you know I do get it but I think it's only because uh the Awokenutty influence, they're like, wait a second, Kirk was a womanizer. You know, he'd go after anything that was pretty, you know, and th that's not appropriate behavior for the captain of a ship. You know, and I, I, I it's, it's tough to imagine Star Trek without Kirk's influence on it. Um, I don't understand how they could be trying to take him out. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. It's like, well, we've always said, too, the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars is that they were very progressive for the time, Star Trek. Like, they had a very diverse crew. And, uh, again, we all accepted it. We loved it. It was very original. And it kind of showed us a future 
where people didn't look at race or gender or anything like that. Or nationalities. And, I mean, look, I mean, it was the Cold War was still in full swing when Star Trek was on. And they have a Russian on the on the bridge with Chekhov. Yeah. You know, I mean that, hey, you know, we will move past this Cold War that we're currently going on. That was the outlook. And um, it, it was Star Trek was already woke decades before this push came in. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's okay, though. It's, you know, and again, I, I complain about woke stuff, but it's not all bad. Like the boys, I love the boys. I mean, there's, you can see a lot of woke stuff in there, but you know what? It, it's fine. And, and the same thing with Barbie. That was a decent movie. It did, I'm not saying that it should never exist, but I, I don't think it should take over things that are not woke, that, that all of a sudden are, we have to make it woke just because it's the right thing to do. We need to send a message to people. This is how you should be living. And those of you that were part of the, what is it? Is it, I always get this word, the patriarchy. You should, oh, be yeah. ashamed. You should be ashamed, shamed of yourselves. We can't represent you. you you've had your time. Um, but yeah, no, what you said is right. Star Trek would, I don't know if, Captain Kirk, William Shatner's Captain Kirk, is the single most important character in Star Trek. And I'll tell you why. Because prior to William Shatner's Captain Kirk, they released the cage and Mr. Spock was in the cage. But uh, who was it that was um, Jeffrey Hunter played? Yeah, Pike. was Pike. He didn't work out, <laughs> you know. William Shatner came on and he became the new captain of the Enterprise and he was great. He had a lot of charisma. And charisma three, he had swagger. Yeah, he had swagger, confidence. And the three of them just got along so well. Like they, they had great chemistry, Bones, Spock, and, and Kirk. It was perfect. And, you know, you've seen like Sulu, George Takai, has been bitching for years that he felt that he needed to have more screen time and that William Shatner always prevented him from getting his due and all that. But they were right though. It's like, you need to focus on three. It's like, you can't have everybody like, like with justice league. There were, there were seven, seven characters in justice league. People just want to see Batman, Superman and wonder woman. And it's like, all right, I'll see the flash. I'll see cyborg, but I don't want to see them in the majority of the movie. I want to see Batman and Superman. I'd rather see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Star Trek. It's like, I want to see Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. You know, it's uh, it'd be nice to, I, you know, again, it might work, but I, I, they never had a story where it was just Sulu, you know, like, like he was the main character or Chekhov. Although there was that one story where they met those hippies. And he knew uh, one of the hippies. Oh, was, <laughs> Journey to Babel. <laughs> was it Journey to Babel? Or was I it think that path, was the hippie one. Or is it the Path to Eden? Uh, one of them. I like that. And that was uh, the guy from Smoking the Band that was in there. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, again, like he, you, you can't discourage, you know, this 
disrespect what William Shatner has done and it just try to like, they are erasing him because like, instead of, they have all the captains in one poster, except they have Spock instead of Kirk. And well, then, well, I, I think Spock needs to be there too. Um, however, I, I just can't see how you would replace Kirk with a character from a kid's animated movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, and as I joked on our, our uh, text chain, you know, a woman of color, you know, she's purple. <laughs> you know? um, well, no, they, but they have two characters from the original series. They have Spock and they have a horror. And it's yeah. like, why, would, why wouldn't you put Kirk in there? Yeah, same thing. Ahura played a big part. She was a big, she inspired a lot of people. And, you know, she was a good character. She's, you know, all through the original franchise, she was a good, strong character, positive role model um, for girls. And, you know, I think she deserves to be on there too. But like I said, there are other people that like, why are you here? And Kirk is left off. Like, couldn't you even squeeze him in somewhere? You well, know, it, it, make somebody it, else a little smaller. There, I saw one picture. Um, I have no idea. Kirk is off of the poster, but they have some other guy. I have no idea who he is in the background. You know, so you have you know the classic, you know, torso shots and everything. Um, and then you have this this one guy hanging out in the background, and I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is. And you left Kirk off the poster. Like, really? Like, no. But, so the point <laughs> is, he does have a point. He does have a point, and I I will you know I'll say people say, oh, he's you know his ego is huge and he could be a pain in the ass. Well, you know what? He's 92 years old. I can't imagine what I'm going to be like at 92 years old when I can say what I want because I'm old enough that I just don't care anymore. <laughs> That's where William Shatner is now. No, and I'm sure. I'm sure he's very obnoxious and he probably would not hold the open door button for the elevator. If you were running with packages, you know, um, but it's still, you, you can't ignore his contribution to star Trek. Right. And getting back to Nichelle Nichols, I mean, I loved her on the series. And it, again, back then, it was at a point where, you know, I guess back in the 60s, where you had civil rights, and she was a prominent black woman on like a major television program. And I remember her telling the story that she had uh, met with Martin Luther King Jr. And she said that she was thinking about leaving the show because she doesn't do anything, just basically sits there and you know, when she hears she's a, you know, head of communications or whatever. And, and he talked to her not into do it. He says, no, you have a very important role. He goes, you know, you not only re represent women, but you represent black women. Right. And, you know, it, it's one of the first times that they're seeing themselves up there on the screen. You know, you're very important. And, you know, and he convinced her to stay on. 
and to, you know the, the whole crew was great I, I can't say anybody in that crew sucked that uh, you know like there's an episode that's like oh i wish he wasn't in it you know even Chekhov was a good addition after i guess they, they were trying to get the davy jones monkeys yeah they're, they're they're going for the uh monkeys beetles kind yeah. of crowd but one of the problems with William Shatner, well, he's had a long-standing feud with George Takei, and when George Takei married his his husband, uh, everyone was invited to the wedding except for William Shatner, and he's constantly gone on all these talk shows bashing him, saying what a horrible person William Shatner is, and um, you know he just can't let it go. He's just a bit of a jerk, and 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 George Takei is super woke. Uh, what's his name? Patrick Stewart is super woke, like because they're giving him a, another movie. Which, goddamn, he should start coughing, shopping right now. That guy, he's not going to be lasting much longer. I mean, William Shatner at least looks like he knows what's no, going no, on. I, you know, I laugh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Patrick Stewart is is showing his age there, and I think he's great, but um. It, it might be time to retire. Yeah, no, he was good in his day. He was a great captain, you know, and he was Picard, like in the next generation. But when I saw, was, was it season three? Was that the last season? Right. And and you, you saw that, I mean, even with Picard from season one to three, you, you could see him kind of slowing down a bit. He looks like when you see like an older person and they're scared that's how I feel when I see him. Um, and even in when he played professor X and, uh, Dr. Strange, it was, yeah, it just was, you know, it's like, leave the guy alone. I, I know. And I'm sure it's like his wife is like, Oh, why don't you do it? You know, we need a new bathroom <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't think people are really thinking of him. I think that he should be enjoying his life and just taking it easy. But you know, I just feel like it's like, all right, get Patrick out here. And it's like, well, he's having trouble getting out of his chair. It's like, well, have him hold on to something. You know, it's like, can't we put puppet strings on him? And yeah, you know, and then they announced we're going to give Picard a movie. Why? You know, it's like they ended the season three perfectly. I, th I thought season three ended great. And I, some people, say that Picard season three was a lot of fan service and stuff. And yeah, you know what there was, but it was still an enjoyable show. I mean, it was more fun than a lot of other series I've seen. And I mean, yeah, you did have the fan moments. Like when they went back on the enterprise D, you know, I was like, ah, like the same way I was when we saw the Falcon rise up in the Force Awakens trailer. You know, I had that same jolt watching them come back to the Enterprise D. Like, yeah, there were moments in there of fan service, but you know what? I don't care. It was just, I enjoyed that so much. I know you didn't, Joe, because you're not as big of a Trekkie as I am. No. But, um, like I said, I really enjoyed season three, but like I said, you could see he was slowing down a bit, you know, 
So, oh no, uh, I definitely. I don't know so. what the next movie could be about, but uh, hey, we'll see soon enough, I guess. Well, maybe they'll kill him off in this movie, but then that'd be cold because that's like kind of like pushing his mortality in his face. Because again, I don't know how old he is, but again, he just doesn't look like he's up to par. Uh, and I feel bad for him. It's, you know. Well, I don't uh, say, I don't think I feel bad for him. I, mean, I do. He's had a long career. And, you know, as long as he's enjoying what he's doing with these shows. Because, um, you know, like um, when he did his X-Men stuff, you know, he's hang, hanging out with his best friend, Ian McKellen, doing these things. And he really is close with Hugh Jackman. So... Like I said, I could see him wanting to go back and do. I heard he didn't like that either. I, I heard he, he wasn't comfortable with that at all. Um, I don't think that, well, I don't think he was there with them. I don't think he actually, I think they filmed him separately. No, he was in with Logan. Oh, and Logan, but not in yeah. uh, Doctor Strange. I was thinking oh, about Wolverine Strange. wasn't in there and Magneto wasn't in there. No, but... you're talking about Logan. I'm sorry. I was thinking about Dr. Strange when he was probably the Illuminati. Um, yeah, but that was a cameo part. That wasn't a. Uh... Yeah. All right. You were talking that about wasn't, Logan, that right? wasn't a full film. That was a week's worth of shooting maybe. Yeah. But again, from what I heard, he, he was filmed separately. Like, I don't think that they were all in the same room together interacting anyway. Yeah. Um, the other thing I heard about Shatner is I, I think he's a Trump supporter, uh, and that's you can't be a Trump supporter, especially with the Star Trek crew. They're gonna go after you, or they'll just won't invite you into anything. And I think that that's again part of the reason. And like we said before, if you're an actor or an actress, I think probably the best thing to do is just don't get political either way. Like he shouldn't have mention anything but then again no one should mention anything you know like if they're a biden or a hillary supporter i don't want to hear it. i just want to see you act you know and again if you're a trump or a bush supporter or a sarah Palin reporter supporter just we don't need to hear it we just we need to be keanu reeves <laughs> you know uh, keep your views to yourself and entertain us <laughs> yeah so uh daisy ridley uh did you see that video i sent you today i Probably saw the not. first one from earlier today i didn't get a chance to watch the second one she defended the star wars fans i am so proud of her uh because i she was being interviewed on some talk show or whatever and they brought up the fact that people are complaining which is erroneous people are you know the the reporter said and he goes what do you think about all of these toxic Star Wars fans that have a problem with a woman directing the next Star Wars film. And that's not the problem. The problem is they have more of a problem with the fact that she's got no experience, you know, but they say, Oh, it's because she's a woman. It's not, no, it's because she's got no experience. That's the problem. And right. she's an activist, you know, that she wants to push activism over storytelling, but it has right. nothing. She wants to push activism in Star Wars. Well, I will say that there is some activism pushed in Star Wars, even from the very beginning. You know, I mean, I don't mind that as much, but you know, the, our problem more is that she's 
<laughs> you're going to pay somebody like $10 million to direct a Star Wars film. Uh, can you name three characters from Star Wars? I can name two. You're hired. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like like the uh, one working on Obi-Wan Kenobi who like, wait, you mean Darth Vader is Anakin? <laughs> you know, like you, you didn't even know that that basic story point. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you think we could bring up a some sort of story where Darth Vader wants to start using pronouns, you know? And uh, it, that's the people that they're hiring instead of like people that are actual Star Wars fans and that, you know, you should want to entertain everybody, not just one sector. Uh, and you have to think of the core fan base. But anyway, getting back to her. So she comes back and she says, you know, I don't really see, I think it's all overblown. She said with all of these people having a problem. She was, cause I, when I was at, uh, she said, when I was at celebration, and I came on stage, everybody was happy and it made me feel so good. And everybody was happy knowing that there was going to be another Star Wars movie. Um, and I just don't see it. I don't see, you know, the sexism or anything like that. I just think that it might be overblown. She's wonderful. I mean, she should be on every press tour because that's the whole thing. It's like, don't push this stuff. You should be saying how much you love Star Wars, how much you love the character, how much you love the fans. Don't push this crap that, well, if you don't like it, it's because you're a misogynist, you know, and you're not used to a woman, female director, or you don't like Ray because she's a female character. No, I, I agree. I, well, I like Daisy Ridley. You know, when she was doing the press tour for all three of the sequel trilogies, She's on there. She just seems like a sweetheart of a person. She is. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She really does. And I was uh, in one of the videos I was watching earlier today. They were talking about it was a print print interview. And she was a question was put to her that could very easily be like feeding the trolls. About how do you how do you feel about you know and it was about the director you know and the question was like well how do you feel with such and such as the director you know and a female director directing a Star Wars movie you know is that, how important is that and she basically said I don't know no good uh, answer <laughs> uh, she's like the the most important thing is the story as as the <laughs> As the quote said, the story is uh, something like damn good beep, putting your R2-D2 noise there um, for excrement. She says, it. the story is good stuff. And that's what got her excited about it, you know. So she, once again, she took the whole focus of this guy's question and turned it back to the reason she's excited about it is because it's a good story, not because it's a female director. You know, so like I said, she handled it very well, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I've always liked the character of Ray. I mean, there's sometimes she's a little overpowered, but the first movie, she was great. Again, you know, she was an orphan living on, you know, like a desert planet. 
basically being abused, just trying to survive to uh, get food, you know, being a scavenger and all that. Right. And then, and, and you know what? She was a bit of the, of a Mary Sue, but you knew she was like that because there was something different about her. You know, that, that's, that was my thing when people made that complaint about her. It's like, yeah, th that's there to show there's more to this girl than, you know, meets the eye. She's not some, uh, desert bumpkin, you know, like she knows how to fix things. You know, she knows, she knows all about how to fix a ship that's as broken down as the Millennium Falcon, you know. But even and, that makes sense, though, because, again, she was a scavenger and she had to take stuff apart from, like, some of the Imperial destroyers that were, were on the planet. And right. I could see that. That's fine. But, but even when she did something and it worked, she was as surprised as anybody else. Like uh, the bit with the uh, Ratars on yeah. Han and Chewie's freighter, how she's, like, just flipping switches and Finn's like, you, you did it. And she's like, I know. I didn't think that was going to work. <laughs> you know, she, well, she, she was genuinely surprised that whatever she was trying to do actually worked. Um, but she also messed up. She was the one that released them. So she's not perfect. She's not perfect. Yeah. But like I said, she seemed genu genuinely surprised as anyone else when she tried to do something and it worked. So, She's not likable. Oh, no, yeah. I love her. I, I think back to like when the first trailer was released. Um, I guess they she might have filmed herself on her iPhone watching the first trailer release, and she was in bed, and she's just got this smile on her face, and then she would close her eyes because she was kind of embarrassed seeing herself on the screen, but she still was smiling, but it's just like she just seems so genuine, you know? Right. She's not a phony. Like, and again, like when you see her, you've never heard her say anything bad. Like, like Shia LaBeouf is a perfect example. He gets a role in a movie and he, and he crapped all over everyone else. <laughs> the crystal skulls. Like, yeah, that movie sucked. He goes, uh, you know, I told Harrison it sucks and he agreed with me. Um, you don't do that when you when you're making a movie. Even if she knows what the story is for the race story and she might not like it, you still got to sell it. You still have to just be positive. But you don't go and attack your fans. You know, saying it's like, well, you don't like it. It's not because it sucks. It's because you know you have a problem with women. It's like, no. I mean, again, we again, we I love the Force Awakens. It's, but and you know, one of my favorite scenes too in the Last Jedi is, is you know when she's is it a Chew? Is is that the the Jedi planet, Octu, Octu, I think. Octu, Octu, <laughs> thank you. Um, but when she's on there and she gets off the, uh, I think she's talking to Poe or, or whoever, and then she goes outside, and it's raining, and she's touching the raindrops and she's smiling because, you know, she's never really seen rain, and then Kylo Ren shows up like you know, in her mind or whatever, but it's just a nice scene. And it's like, how could you hate that character? You know, it's like, uh, you know, she's like a kid in a candy store. She's like Miss Marvel in, in a way, uh, how Miss Marvel should be. 
You know, she's just excited yeah. to be part of a story that she she heard about when you know when she was an orphan girl and all that. Um, anyway, I, I love her. I like what she said. You know, she needs to do more press tours. They they also said I think she's getting paid twelve million dollars, which is like the yeah, she's got a pretty good paycheck on this as well. Which is like the largest amount that they've ever paid a woman in Star Wars. But you know what? She's worth it. If, if, if I, like I said, I had no problem even with her in The Rise of Skywalker. It was not her fault. Her acting was fine. It, it's, you know, you know, I hope it's good, but I don't think it's going to be good with that woman attached to it. I'm sorry. Unless they, they decide we need to put a ghost writer and a ghost director on this because we can't let have people hate it. Some people are going to hate it. Even if it's, a, if it's a 10 out of 10 film, they're going to hate it knowing that that director's involved with it. Right. But you know, if it's good, I'm going to say it's good. You know, it's that's like, exactly it. I mean, I, as we always say, we want these things to be good. Yeah. We and then it, want a good story. We want a good Marvel film. We want a good Star Wars film. We want it to be good, but they just make it so hard to hope. <laughs> Me too. So the Marvels is going to be released on Disney Plus on February 7th. Uh, yeah, you don't have Disney Plus anymore, right? Nope, I'm done. And you haven't, you're not going to see the Marvels? Uh, may, maybe when it's on TNT. It's out <laughs> of the theaters, of course. Yeah, I really have no interest in seeing that movie again. Um, yeah, exactly. If if it's on, I'll watch it at least once. Um, I don't know how long I'll watch it from what I hear about it, what I've heard about it. But, uh, you know, I'll watch it when it's available for free. Out of all the Phase 4 and Phase 5 movies that we've had so far, which one do you think you'd want to see again? Or you wouldn't mind seeing again? Well, is uh, No Way Home considered part of Phase 5? Uh, yeah, you could put that in there. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I would I would watch... Um, well, I liked No Way Home. Uh, and I, I, would put, I would leave uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness on, you know, in the background as I'm doing stuff, which... Is how I'm usually watching, rewatching most of these things on. You know, I watch the parts I like, and then, you know, I'll be busy doing something else on the parts that I couldn't care less about. And when a part comes on I like, I'll watch it more intently. So, but I would watch those two. Um, I, I honestly can't say I really care much for any of the Marvel product that's come out in four and five. Uh, no interest in watching Shang-Chi again. No. Um, the Marvels, I didn't even see in the theater. Um, Black Panther 2. Black Panther 2, I thought was just a waste of time. Um, even Guardians 3. Uh, you know, I, I think I did watch it when it was on Disney Plus, and I was like... I, I did, I did re-watch Guardians 3, and I still stand by my thing that there was so much of that movie that could have just been cut out. Yeah. That would make it move, move along quicker. Same thing. You know what? I would probably leave that on. Um, 
and just as I'm doing stuff, I it would draw my attention at parts I'd like and other parts like that. The medical planet thing where they're all in the marshmallow suits or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That that's isn't... a whole half hour segment that could have just been cut out of that and it wouldn't have been missed. You know, I wanted to see what was going on with the high evolutionary, not, uh, you know, them trying to steal the code or something. Um, I mean, the one thing that that movie has going for, it's got a good cast and I think that's about it actually. No, I mean, it has a good cast. I mean, a lot of this, the story I thought was okay, but like I said, it's when they got sidetracked into that other stuff. Um, I couldn't care less about it. I like the fight with Adam Warlock when he first shows up. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, no, that was cool. But then I liked when they did, you know, they turned him into a mama's boy, which I didn't like. Yeah. Well, that, that, that was kind of watering down the character as well. But, um, you know, I liked the part with rockets origin. Uh, I, I felt that was a mistake, the whole thing, because it focused too much on it. I, I think the biggest mistake, too, is that they made them a little too soft, like where they're like the the deputies of nowhere, or the sheriff and deputies of nowhere. They need to be doing their own thing, you know. Well, the, uh, in the, the comic run when they first came in, that's what kind of what they were on nowhere. But they don't have to be. I'm just saying I don't like that. No, they don't, they don't have need, to they don't, be, but they gave them more to do. Like, they don't need to be babysitters. It's like uh, they're more fun when they're doing, like, kind of, like, borderline bad things, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, not when they're always nice. But I would say, for me, I'd probably watch Thor Love and Thunder again. And maybe, maybe parts of the Eternals. Um, but I watched uh, last night. I put on Spider-Man No Way Home. I have it in 4K. Lately, I've been moving. I have a 75-inch TV, and I've been moving my chair up to like six feet because they say that gives you more immersion. Uh, and so I was like, oh, let me try Spider-Man No Way Home. That movie's so rough. And again, the thing that bothers me the most is MJ. It, just the way they wrote her character. She's just so annoying and she's unlikable. And, you know, especially like when, when they get arrested and they're brought into the police department and she's telling Peter, she's like, don't say anything until you get a lawyer. And then when they're interviewing her and she's like, I know my rights. I don't have to say anything, you know? And then she's like bringing it back to the guy that's interrogating her and she's interrogating him. And meanwhile, Ned is like scared shit. You know, over, <laughs> you know, he's afraid he's going to jail for life and Peter's scared, but not her. No, you know, it's like they, you know, it's just, I'm not saying that women can't be strong and that women can't be brave, but not every woman has to be that way. And it's even Mary Jane, just like, don't make her better than everybody else just because she's a woman. And I think that that's what they've been doing. Like, in her thing, like in what was the other one? No way home, not no way home, uh, far from home, where she had that mace in the glove. There's no way she could hold that thing 
she's less than 100 pounds, that girl. And I'm sure that Mace was 100 about, pounds. A, about 100 pounds. <laughs> you know? It's like, but they're like, yeah, you know, she's so cool. She's Mary Jane. You know, she's not all about sex, but she's sexy if she has to be, you know, and uh, but don't tell her that. I, I, you know, part of me is just I don't like the way this world is going, like where it's they don't want to, you know, push the attractiveness of a woman. But if they do, they don't want you looking at it, you know, something like that. Or they want you to respect her mind more than her body. Yeah, and again, I'm not trying to apply that to her because she's a, you know, she's still a kid and all that. But it, it's just that I don't like her, and I don't think she's a good actress. And I don't like the fact that she got rid of her last name and she thinks she's her shit doesn't smell. You know that I'm just gonna go buy Zendaya and. Is join the club with Cher and Madonna and what other freaks are out there? Well, once again, that's the actress. That's not the character. Oh no, yeah, the character. Well, the character was written poorly too. But I right, just the character is not the Mary Jane we know from the comics. And Tom Holland, he's got to be so pussy whipped. I know, like every day, he's probably like, "Oh, she doesn't leave me today. Please don't leave me today." You know, uh, I saw it last week he posted on Instagram or Twitter, like a bunch of pictures from some sort of like modeling thing that she did. And I was like, man, you're so soft. If you didn't have money, she'd be dumping you faster than lightning. And I bet you he knows that too. You know, if, if he was just a regular Joe Schmo, she would have had nothing to do with him. I can't stand there. And I don't like him either. That movies, you know, I, I need to, I need to just go to the end of that movie because the end of the movie was pretty cool. But the beginning of the movie is so rough. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, the interplay between the three Spider-Men is fun. just a lot of fun to watch. It is fun. Um, which brings us to another story. Uh, I'll skip a little bit forward. Uh, Spider-Man 4 news. So apparently... Sony wants Tony, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield back for Spider-Man 4. And Kevin Feige and Tom Holland want to focus more on just Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So apparently they're at ends. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, I like the interplay between the three of them. But the thing is... Doesn't Doctor Strange's spell, didn't that kind of work on everybody there? I mean, does Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire still know who they Tom could. Holland is? I think they went back before that spell went into effect. Right, but if they, if they come back, are they affected by it? Or I, I don't know. Um I would think but it was just like in said, that I, universe. I would like to see I would like to see them come back because um I just thought the interplay between them was just it was just a lot of fun to watch. Um I could see how Faggy wants doesn't want that or Tom Holland because he's he's giving up two thirds of his spotlight uh to the two other guys. But like I said, I, I think Fagey would want to want them out because it concentrates on the proper MCU instead of this whole multiverse thing, which they're kind of trying to uh, 
you know, sweep under the rug now, it seems. Well, with, sorry. Uh, the, with the whole Kang controversy. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think he, I think Feige may just want to get away from all that. Like it's a bad dream because it's just not working. Well, I think Sony only sees dollar signs. They made almost $2 billion off of No Way Home. And they're like, we should just bring them back again. And we'll make at least a billion dollars if they come back again. Because everybody seems to like that. And I'm not a fan of Feige now, like in the last two phases. But I think in a way, I appreciate that he's trying to have this new Spider-Man go off in a different direction. And that's kind of what I was hoping after we saw the end where, he, you know, Mary, MJ doesn't know him. Ned doesn't know him. He's, you know, uh, Aunt May is dead. He makes a kick-ass spider suit. Looks like Spider-Man now. Um, I just think the blue is too bright. It is. It's, it's, that's, and it's, it's, it's too glossy too. you know, it's shiny. Uh-huh. Like I was, telling, I was telling you before, I used to have a stupid jacket like that in high school where it was super glossy and blue. And I can't believe I wore it back then, but I was dying to get it. <laughs> but yes, that this could be a very interesting time. But that belongs in the 80s. It doesn't, you know, I wish they would tone down on that. Just make it, instead of glossy, maybe it would be nicer. Yeah, I agree. Like if it was a, a little darker blue, and it just wasn't shiny. But I still love that costume. It's like pretty damn accurate. I mean, next to the amazing Spider-Man 2 costume. Which I still think is the best yeah. costume they had for him. But uh, but I would rather him be on his own. But you know him. He's such a pussy. And what is he, like 26, 27 years old? He acts like a 17-year-old kid in love he's gonna like you have to bring Bex and die into it please please you know it's like uh so she's yeah, but i mean that's that's who spider-man was for a very long time and they aged they aged him up you know and part of that whole teenage storyline teenage angst uh was replaced by older themes so uh, for me, I don't, I don't mind that because like I said, you know, I, I loved ultimate Spider-Man, which was teenage Spider-Man the whole way. Um, I'm fine seeing that, but you know, this is going to, this new direction is going to force him to grow up. So I think, I think Spider-Man four, if they do it right, you'll be very happy with. Yeah. Again, I'd rather just focus on that and him be spider-man by himself we don't need you know i understand like i said it's the money they they'll make a lot of money if they bring him back but it sounds like they're going to be back eventually uh it, it, they didn't burn any bridges and it seems like a lot of people like them they they what they should do instead of focus on crap like craven and venom and uh, madam webb just do an amazing Spider-Man three and a Spider-Man four with Tobey Maguire. People will still go see it. They won't say, Oh, I can't go see your movie. If there's three Spider-Man's like, you know, ha having their own franchise, each individual franchise, I would go see it. Yeah. You know, let's have an older Spider-Man. Let's have a younger Spider-Man. Let's have a miles Morales Spider-Man, you know, as 
you know, nothing wrong with having more Spider-Man, but I don't need Madam Web and her Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> Which uh, I, I laugh, but you know, it, it does look pretty, pretty bad. I, I can you you wonder well, yeah, well, that's our next story, but you wonder who green lights this shit, you know, that's like we want to have a free female dominated movie with girls with spider powers and and they think it's going to make a profit especially when you look at well they must be really scared after seeing the marvels knowing that that bombed and this really hasn't got the best uh i'm not going to say word of mouth uh what would you call it on the media like where people are just crapping all over it they just don't seem to like madam webb I think I think you hit it word of mouth. The word of mouth is not positive on this at all. And I mean, why didn't they just make a Spider-Woman movie? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why Madam Webb, you know, and her posse, her posse of Spider-Girls, I mean, why didn't they just make... A Spider Woman movie. They could have gone into the whole aspect of Hydra because they were tied up with her, you know, origin, and they're an established villain in the MCU. Um, she's got a well. Her latest bit, you know, she's she's a, a single mom trying to deal with being a superhero as well as being a single mom. Um, makes the comic very funny, I think. So, like, I, I just don't get why didn't they just do that? I mean, I, don't know. I, 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 just don't, I just don't see the point with it. And the same thing of you know, turning Craven into a conservationist, you know, no, he's a guy who likes who gets off on going out and killing things. Um, Again, what annoys me when they make these movies, it's like they have the source material, the comic books. They know what their character looks like, but instead they're like, well, we don't want to look, make it look exactly like the character. We want to put our own spin on it. People want to see it look exactly like the frigging character. Like this Craven doesn't look anything like the Craven in the comics. And it, I No, but you know what? I, I do like the actor who's playing him. I would not never have thought he'd be the craven type but um he's a weirdo look look, look look again at heath ledger who who thought that would have been true as incredible as it turned out you know but you know what I, i'll give him i'll give him a shot i i've seen him in other things and i think he's he's okay but um once again what is what does he have to work with he's got to work with the letters that are written on the page but again, like for me, Craven would be like a big upper body guy, you know, not someone that's tone all around, you know, big, big chests, like kind of like a wrestler. And to me, it, True. I, I don't see that in him anyway. But getting back to this stupid movie, Madam Web. So originally they were going to have Andrew Garfield be the Spider-Man in that movie. He was going to be in it as Spider-Man. And then they thought about bringing Tom Holland in to play Spider-Man. 
And then they decided not to bring either in. And that's got to be one of the stupidest decisions that whoever the powers that be in charge of this friggin' movie have made. I mean, it would have made a lot more money if at least one of them were in it. True. But I think that the reason why they did, well, they say that the reason is because I think this takes place in 2004. Um, and neither it, it the, the timelines don't sync up. Um, but I think I, it's, I don't I, know. Well, that's what I heard, but I, but I think probably the real reason is they don't want to have a male Spider-Man take away screen time or the importance of a, is it, it's not quadruple. It would be the quintet. Five. The spider girl posse. <laughs> yeah. The spider chicks. <laughs> you know? There you go. Spite the spider chicks. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, but everybody's going to talk about how great Tom Holland was or how great Andrew Garfield was when they should be talking about how great all five of the brave and powerful spider women were, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the, the costume designs look, look, God awful. I mean, I, I don't know if we just saw a very rough cut from the footage, but I mean, Julia Carpenter, her, her spider woman suit is, is pretty hot. It is. It's very good. You know, not, not in this. I mean, it's, it's close in this movie, I would say. Uh, no, it just looks, it just looks cheap. It looks a little bit like cosplay. It looks like bad cosplay. I mean, it looks cheap, like it's made of vinyl or something. I I don't know. Versus, but I knew who she was. Well, I knew who she was because she was a redhead wearing a black costume with a white spider on it. That's how I knew it was her. But um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what it goes like. Yeah, and they also <laughs> this line was leaked. They're doing a spin on with great power comes great responsibility. So they're going to spin it around and there's a line in there where one of them says with great responsibility comes great power. <laughs> yeah. It, it just shows how backwards they've got it. Uh, yeah. It shows how, you know, bad writers and, you know, again, like with uh, Tom Holland Spider Man, they were like, "We don't have to keep using that line." You know, we can imply that it was used. It, it's just it's almost like they don't listen. You wonder if they even watch Spider Man movies or or even if they read comic books. You know, it's just like we need people to we need writers. You know, that aren't on strike, and <laughs> that uh, it's about these five girls. The one. One could, could she reverse time or she sees the future or whatever? She sees the future. Yeah, she sees the future. And the other ones have spider powers and go. <laughs> yeah, I'll write a story about that. Why do they have spider powers? Uh, we'll make that up. We'll figure that out. It's like, do, do they have pajama parties? It's like, oh, I guess they could. <laughs> and why is there a bad Spider-Man? Yeah. You know. It's like. Do they lose job to their male counterparts in real life because of the patriarchy? 
yes, that's a good idea. You know, I think that's the kind of crap that we're getting, you know, with this. I mean, I'm not going to, who is it? Doug Charlie told me, he said, oh, I can't wait for you guys to review Madam Web. And I was like, oh, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because I, mean, I don't think. it first. Yeah, I don't think any of us are going to see it. You know, I says, I know I'm not going to see it. Maybe Jack will see it, but no, I, I don't. Think I, actually, I don't have any desire to see it. The same way I didn't have any desire to see the Marvels either. You know, yes. so. I mean, even if this, I'd never saw Morbius, you know. Yeah, I didn't see that one either. So even if this comes but out, again, I, I I don't like. I'm not a Jared Leto fan, so him being well, you know would put me off anyway. But if it was good, I would I would at least give it a shot. But yeah, you know, it's like if a movie, you know, we're not going to see it. That's <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, unless it, it all of a sudden it gets ten out of tens or really high grades, and we were wrong about it. But more than likely, that's not going to happen. It doesn't have to get really high grades. I mean, as long as it got a semi good, you know, you'd give it a shot, but it doesn't look like it's going to be any good. But no, is it coming? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, like you said earlier before, I don't know who green lights these things. And it pisses me off too because you're getting paid. <laughs> you know, they're getting paid six figures. Yeah, you know, you know, they're getting paid definitely big time. And even it's like, you know what? We lost a lot of money. We're going to lay you off, but we're going to give you a nice little severance package. <laughs> They're going to be all right. They're going to end up on their feet. But meanwhile, they destroyed a, a company or a franchise. Yeah, that's the thing. They, they just keep they just keep going at it. But hey. Uh, the other thing, yeah, I, did you see the trailer for the Indiana Jones video game? I started to watch it and um, I turned it off. <laughs> well, some parts don't look bad. I mean, I think the CGI looks okay. The guy that does Indiana Jones voice is, uh, what's his name? Troy Baker. He, he played Joel in the uh, Last of Us video games. Uh, he's a good voice actor for video games and probably animated movies too. But he does a good Harrison Ford. Huh. I mean, my problem, well, first of all, my big problem with it is it's just going to be available on Xbox on PC, so I can't play it on the PlayStation. Um, I don't like it. I don't like seeing it in first person. I don't think that works. Uh, you see, that that's... I started watching it, and I'm like, you know what? I, I haven't played a first person shooter since the original Halo. Um... And I don't think I don't think it works with Indiana Jones. I I thought the whip looked kind of goofy. It does, you know. And um, I was like, I I've got other things I need to watch. <laughs> no, but what happens is like they show like one of the uh, creative directors or someone working on the team, and they have you know a rainbow colored shirt on and they, oh, they seen pictures of that guy i haven't i didn't get if he's in the commercial i didn't get to that point yeah well he's in the commercial and he basically says we're making indiana jones for a modern audience and 
I, it just bothers me. I, again, you know, that he's gay. If he's good, that's fine. But you know what? Like, if I'm making a game, I'm not going to wear, you know, like a Jesus shirt on my commercial and all that stuff and push Christianity or something like that. Just push that you like Indiana Jones and that you want to, you're the right person to be on this this game. Don't push your identity. And I don't know why, how they would allow you to come show up to work in an outfit like that too. Um, I guess they could. I mean, it's not like I they have to wear a strange place, a suit and tie or anything. I think it's Bethsheeta and their <laughs> crazy company too. But it, it's just, do you think that that's again? It's it's. It, do you think it's going to help by showing you a creative director come out looking like that and it is basically say we're doing it for a modern audience? But I think. Here's the thing, though. Indiana Jones is a throwback to the old pulp serials. Yeah. He's not supposed to be modern. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the beauty of, of Indiana Jones. It, it's a throwback to those old serials where, you know, they did crazy stunts and things and outlandish plots and outlandish characters and you know not afraid to throw in some stereotypes there just to get the character to be like they want it to look you don't need to modernize everything especially with the woke and nutty agenda no but again my point with, with this guy is that i just wish he wouldn't have pushed an agenda in the commercial i think what he should have done is delivered a good game and then come out and say, you know, and also, by the way, I, I'm gay and, and I represent the LGBT community. And then I would well, say, he may not, I don't know if he's gay or not, but he may no, just he is. be a supporter of it that, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, they deserve no, but my point is, everybody else, which isn't a bad stance, but no, but, but my point is you shouldn't be pushing that, you know, I mean, you could, my point is, if, if he would have just came out and said, I love Indiana Jones, and I'm so proud to be able to be working on this game. You're right. That's all you and, had to say. And, and then we would have bought the game, would have played the game. It would have been awesome. And then if he comes out and he says, oh, and by the way, I represent the LGBT community, I'd say make a sequel because you did a great job, you know, and, you know, it, it's I'm happy that you're on board. You're awesome. Make more games. But to me, it just seems like he's pushing his identity over, over his work. It, you know, I think that some people, like when they get thrust into a job, they feel it's their responsibility to push a movement or who they are or their identity. Where again, it, it should be more about that. This is my passion. This is what I went to school for. You know, I love Indiana Jones. Or I love Star Wars. I want it to be as faithful as possible to this series, you know, as possible, I don't want to change it, you know, to uh, make it be more like me. Well, that's the problem. They can't fathom anything outside of their lens of reference. That no matter what they're working on, they have to put it in that framework of their personal experience. And that, like I said, that's the problem. That's why we see so much crap come out of, you know, Marvel and Star Wars now. They can't they can't get past the fact that, hey, these are existing characters. And you know what? 
they don't quite jive with your lifestyle, you know, and you shouldn't force them into your lifestyle, but uh, they're let by the powers that be. And all I can say is like, hey, Disney executives, how's that working out for you? Yeah, it, it's it again, working like, out very well. Like like when James Cameron, when he wrote Ripley and Sarah Connor, he did a great job, you know, representing women. And again, people have a problem now. It's like, well, a man shouldn't be writing about women. You know, it should be only a woman writing about women. Right. But if there's right. a gay, if a gay man or a lesbian woman writes a, a story or a romance about a straight couple and it's a great movie, let him do it again. You know, it's that's all we care about. As long as it's a good story and it's a good movie, but don't make it about your identity. You know, um, you know, just embrace the project that you're on. Try to make it as best as possible. And that's why, again, we get crappy costumes too. <laughs> you know, like in yeah. superhero movies, it's you know, it's again, well, you know, what if Daredevil had a leather outfit? <laughs> you know. Anyway, anyway. All right, so last story I got here because a huge. I'm a huge Christopher Reeve fan. Uh, his family, they've been pushing it. They're they're going to do a documentary. They're releasing a movie about Christopher Lee Reeve's life. I saw a video on it too, and he's got three kids: one girl and two boys. And God, those those two boys could be movie stars. They they could take up the role of Superman. Oh, they, they look that much to. like him? Uh, one of them definitely does. You know, I, who knows if they can act though. God, from what I heard, I, I think that they said that they mostly remember him in the wheelchair. So they're, they're fairly young. I think they're in their maybe early twenties. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, his accent happened a, a long time ago. Yeah. And he held, he, I mean, he held on for a long time. Most people, I believe, don't don't last that long after something like that. No, it's sad, you know, what happened to him. Uh, and again, I, to me, he is my Superman. Uh, what's his face? Henry Cavill was, was a good Superman, but Christopher Reeve just hit the nail on the head. It, it's rare when, when we see somebody that can get both sides of the character right, like we still haven't seen that with Batman, you know, where they might have the Bruce Wayne pretty good, or they might have the Batman, but you, we never get both. We got both with Christopher Reeve as Superman. Cause even Henry Cavill, he's too cool for school as Clark Kent. Yeah. That's right. I, 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 I agree with that, but I still like, I, I like Henry Cavill, but, and I think it's too bad. He's not going to be back anymore. No, I do. I like him too. I hope this new guy, you know, James Gunn, does him right. Like where you, where there's a, a duality between Clark Kent and Superman, and that Lois doesn't find out within ten minutes that he's Superman. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so they said that they were never consulted about the Flash when they when Warner Brother used Christopher Reeve's image as Superman. And they've never seen the movie, and they don't plan on seeing it. Well, I, I'd imagine it kind of would have the uh, bit of a traumatizing effect. You know, 
knowing what your dad went through and then here he is portrayed in a completely different light so i don't blame him for not seeing the movie but they probably should have been consulted about it yeah i think that they should have let them be you know be aware of it and then say would you like to work with us in it you know we want to pay proper respect to your father i don't know how that works i mean did he sell his rights or did the family sell the rights to his images or is it is it just that because it's a warrant like you were saying yeah is it because it's a it was a warner brothers movie that they can do whatever they want with the footage to manipulate it as they want to i i don't know where that that sort of digital rights comes in yeah i don't either it's just kind of weird that they can do whatever they want because like yeah they they own the rights to superman but i don't know if they own the rights to his face because it's because again it was a new new expressions uh you know new movement and all that and I, I don't I don't know, it's just kind of bizarre. I did like that scene. I don't care what anybody says. I got the chills when I saw it in the theaters. I thought that was, because again, I love him. And then seeing Supergirl next to him, I thought it was pretty cool. I think it's free on Amazon right now, so I may watch it. Oh, it's, oh you know, you still haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen The Flash yet. I think you'd like it. You know, the problem again is Ezra Miller's, even if it wasn't Ezra Miller, people's not not interested in the Flash. It's he's too he plays two Flashes, so he's got double the screen time. And if you go on YouTube, I went on YouTube recently, and uh, they had all of Bat all of Michael Keaton's scenes in the Flash. It was seven minutes, you know. Even his Bruce Wayne stuff, I was like, damn, was it that short? I guess it was. Yeah, here it was. I thought he. From the trailers, it looked like he was in it a lot. Well, they space it out, you know. It's but it's mostly Barry and Barry too. But what's weird too is like, like they brought in um, Nicholas Cage to play Superman from Superman Lives, and then they're like, they filmed scenes with him in the costume, and then when they released the movie, they're like, eh, we're gonna go with a CGI version of you, <laughs> you know. And the CGI in that movie is horrendous. You should watch oh, it just that, yeah. You should watch it just for that. You just have to watch it for 10 minutes, Jack. And and they try to make excuses. They're like, well, the Speedverse, everything looks different in the Speedverse. Shut yeah, I, I saw on. that. Like, everything is distorted. No, it's just bad CGI. It's... Uh, it's weird too, because like again, when you look at some of the first uses of CGI, like the Terminator Two and even Jurassic Park, that stuff looks so good now. Still, it still holds up. But then when you look at new stuff that's come out, it's like, why is it going backwards? It's. But well, again, like they keep trying to push it. Like I remember the. The Velociraptors in the original Jurassic Park were a combination of conventional puppets yeah. and the CGI. And I just think they still look better since they went to the full CGI in uh, the Jurassic World. 
I th I think the original Raptors still look better and hold up better. They do. And again, it's the same thing like with the the pale orc. That'd have been so much better if it was exactly. And it, it, it's just it's weird. It, it's, I think maybe they try to do too much, and sometimes less is more. Exactly. Well, anyway, I guess we will end it <laughs> there. So uh, let's wrap this one up. So, Jackie Boy, where can people find you? You can always send me an email at jackm at wdwnt.com. And if you want, you can email me at joe at wdwnt.com or send me a friend request on Facebook. Uh, also, again, you know, if you like our show, just let the powers of that be at wdwnt know. Like, again, we've gotten some really nice emails and we appreciate all the love. And, uh, you know, we're glad that we can, I guess, what would you call us? <laughs> Helping people. <laughs> I go through time. I, I don't know. Go through time. I'm getting tired. <laughs> thanks, thanks for letting us kill two hours of your Wednesday nights. <laughs> this is my reincarnated caveman days. People, time, good. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to our opinions and comments and shenanigans. <laughs> and I'm also on the podcast, Rusted Junk. Friend of the show, Charlie Hunter. That's uh, his show. He's the host of that. And uh, we mostly focus on the 80s, but this season we're doing the 90s. And Speed is doing really good. I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know what's going on over here. We, we got over more than 500 views on on YouTube. And I think like over a 1,000 on iTunes and Spotify. And, and it's like, what the freak? Unless a lot of people like speed or, or maybe people are starting to like us. I don't know, but we'll find out. Well, the next movie is going to be Pulp Fiction. I think that that's, I think, I think you can count on a good, a yeah. good watch crew on that. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to wait until I don't even think I have a crappy movie. Like I, I could say it here. They don't want to know what my movie is like, like Charlie doesn't want to know. And the other ones like they want to be surprised. But I think one of my movies is going to be The Fifth Element. And I don't know how popular that is. So we'll see. That, that'll that be a test. Um, I don't know. Did you do Better Off Dead yet? We did. You did? Okay. Yeah, you could listen to that. Because um, that was one of my favorite 80s movies. That's just so funny. That's really... I didn't know anything about it until probably about... Maybe five or six years ago. I didn't know that movie existed. Two dollars. <laughs> I want my two dollars. <laughs> I wish I would have. Again, what was interesting with, with when we do these podcasts, we get into trivia and we get into the actors. So you remember like the two Asian guys that were racing him in their car? Oh, yeah. Yes. Who could believe it? And again, over in England, they don't know who Howard Cosell is. Right. I was like, oh, that's Howard Cosell. Do you know who that guy is that does the voice? You know, like, that's in the car, the Asian guy? He's the bad guy in Karate Kid Part 2. Yep. I didn't know that. Again, I didn't know I, they learned English by listening to Howard Cosell do sports. 
And that girl is so cute, the French girl. Oh yeah. She was in she was in Bill and, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. She was one of the princesses. And uh, I think she was Oh, I can't think of the name of the movie. Vision Quest. She was the girl in that one too. Was she? I think it was her. Or maybe we'll get her. But she was cute, man. She should have went on to do more stuff. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, she was cute. Very cute. Oh well. All right, so Joe, tell us where people can find you. I already said it. Oh. Joe at wdwnt.com or send me your face. Don't request on Facebook. So with that, this will be the end of WDWNT Nerd Alert Season 10, Episode Number 3. So until next time, see ya. Good night, all. Be good to each other. And I miss Fedra. Good night, wherever you are. Ha cha cha cha. Ha cha cha.